Recently in, in Italy, there's a teenager that was beatified by Pope St. Francis, and I never knew about this kid. He died in 2006. He was really, really into, uh, well, he went to daily mass from like the age of six or seven years old. And I, I can relate to that. I understand that mentality as a Catholic, the love of prayer, the Eucharist and all that. And he had a, such a huge love for the Eucharist and the Catholic belief. The Eucharist is the body and blood of Christ. That's always been the belief in the Roman Catholic Church. That's what the priesthood is for, consecrating the bread into the body and blood of Christ. And that's our spiritual food. We're receiving Jesus in a spiritual food. He died at 15 years old, 2006. I never heard of this kid, but I guess he was really into computers. He was like any kid at the time, except he was a very pure young man. Never did anything bad with a computer. Like you think of a lot of guys now, their computers are sources of pornography or whatever. But he actually knew how to make computer code. So he made a database, catalog everything. So if anyone online wanted to look up Eucharistic miracles, they could find them. So he did this at a very, very young age. So they looked at him as kind of genius. And he was a daily mass goer. He was very pious, but he also was like any other boy, loved his sneakers. His clothes, he was very average, too, as a, as a young man. He ended up getting leukemia, and he passed away. But all these people kept on contacting the mom, saying, I really believed your son was a holy person, so I prayed to them, and they were getting miracles. Let's bring a cause to him for his beatification or canonization. And so this process started, and someone actually received a real miracle. Carlo Acutis after he died of leukemia, said that people from all over the world had told his mother about medical miracles, including cures for infertility and cancer. That happened after they prayed to her son. In February, Pope Francis attributed the unexplainable healing of a boy with a malformed pancreas to Carlo after the child came in contact with one of his shirts. So that's a weird phenomenon also with Catholics because we believe touching an item that belonged to a saint or it could have belonged to Jesus or, you know, even the apostles, because we have stuff in the church that's that old that you can touch that belonged to them, can actually cause a miracle of some sorts. We believe that an item just associated with a saint can, can actually bring this on. Someone came into contact with a shirt that Carlo had worn in his life, and this person was healed. Just recently, Pope Francis has beatified Carlo. They need a second miracle, which I think we should start doing a novena to Carlo for a miracle. For <laughs> Yeah. Uh, hey, I'm down. What's up, Carlo? You know, that's a nine-day prayer, and maybe we'll get it, and then we could send that to the Vatican. I have I have a few things going around with me that I'd like to get fixed. <laughs> Does the incorruptibleness only happen 
with Catholics or religious figures, or does it happen to an average person? I don't think so, because the Catholic Church used to look at that as a sign of holiness. And at least one case of incorruptibility was discovered in a person who clearly hadn't lived a saintly life. His name was Cardinal Schuster, an Italian archbishop, and had been a friend of dictator Benito Mussolini. His corpse was found incorrupted 31 years after his death. Okay, so even bad guys can be incorruptible. I know. So I think this is why the church has stopped using it as a source of, you know, it's a sign. It's definitely a sign. They've actually found a lot of incorrupt people that are kind of mummy-ish. It's weird because with Carlo uh, Cuntis, when they discovered him, he's they call it intact. And this is a new word that I learned because I was so full of faith about all this stuff. I never really looked into it. I just be like, yeah, they're incorrupt. And I thought they were just perfect. That's not the truth. So being intact means that things like, all right, can you imagine if you left a piece of meat out in your counter for days, it would be super rotten. It would just break down, right? Yeah, there'd be maggots and flies on it. Yeah. So we imagine that with dead people that they're going to break down eventually. Obviously, if you put them in the ground, I think there are levels of how fast that happens because you're in a casket or you're in the ground. And so a lot of saints, they never had embalming fluid in them. Some of them are so old. I found out the oldest saint that was found incorrupt was St. Cecilia. Died, I think, in like the 300 or something. I'll have to look that up. And when they dug her up, this was years and years and years later, they found her in this, looks like the same position that she had died when she was a martyr. So they sculpted this whole marble casket for her afterwards in the position that they found her. And they could still see the wound of how they killed her. None of these bodies have really rotted. Some of them have aged. I even read this, that the Catholic Church says that these bodies are rotting. They are aging. But it's at such a slow rate compared to everybody else's. They are, in a way, preserved, but not totally. Because there's a lot of saints that they have found in really great condition, but have slowly aged. But it's just in a way slower manner and it it is really miraculous because you're like how can that happen now what i find fascinating is there's no science to debunk this there's no No. science to back it up there's no science at all they cannot figure out how this happened so it's not a certain type of person it's not a blood type no it's not the way they were buried though they've found that people that are entombed tend to be less decayed but that's even rare yeah so when we decided that we were going to do this show I had no idea what an incorruptible was. I love the name. It sounds like it would be a good movie. But I started looking into what this was, and I came upon St. Catherine of Bologna. Am I saying that right? Bologna? Bologna, yeah. Is that Italy? Yep. Okay. She died in, I think, 1463, and she was buried casketless, which is interesting, in the ground. So just the body in the ground. After a few weeks, she was dug up, showing no signs of decay. Now, this didn't exactly convince anyone that she was incorruptible, but the fact that she's been on display since, I think it's 1500, suggests something pretty mysterious is at work. She's seated in a chair among candles at a Catholic sisterhood she oversaw in Bologna, and even though her skin is browned and her appearance is a little shriveled, her continual physical integration hasn't been explained by science. Again, going back to nobody can explain this. Mm -hmm. Her skin is darkened because of all the candles. More than anything else. What do you mean? That the candle, the soot from the candles burning Mm. is like created that dark 
tan looking color. Yeah. <laughs> and then this is the weirdest story because when I was in religious life, I lived in Italy. So I didn't get to see Catherine of Bologna. I actually could, did see a few incorrupt saints when I was there. Okay, so when I was living in Italy, I was told that St. Catherine was so obedient as a nun that her community of uh, sisters that live with her after she died commanded her in the name of Jesus, go sit in that chair. And she did it. That's the story I heard. What do you mean? Like she just got up and walked over to the yes, chair? Yes, after she was dead. Okay. That's how obedient she was. And you have to understand that in religious life, if you take it very seriously, obedience is the sign of humility that you're a truly humble person and you would do whatever your superiors want you to do no matter what because you're doing it for Christ and it's a very edifying thing and the most humble thing to do. So when I heard that as a nun, I was like, wow, that's incredible. You know, I totally believed. Right. <laughs> I was so naive. I'm on a sidetrack. One time I went on a trip with my sister Jessica and we visited my friend Orlando who lived in New Jersey. It was like Hoboken. And he brought me to this church and the guy that was like a custodian gave us a little tour. This church happened to have a lot of Spanish and Italian immigrant families that built this church. So Spanish, they like their statues to have real clothes and real hair. Where Italians more statuey, but they'll have the same in some areas, but mainly just regular statues. These statues were really neat. Real fabric, clothes, no like carved out statue and real hair. Like someone donated their hair to make wow. a wig. <laughs> so if the Virgin you saw the Virgin Mary there, had real hair and clothes. So the guy told me the hair on the Virgin Mary there, I think it was like Seven Sorrows of the Blessed Mother. Her hair grows every year, so they have to cut it. And I was so blown away by that. I was like, you got to be kidding. And then he's like, yeah, and she flies around the room. And the- <laughs> like what? He-, he was totally making up the whole thing. He was setting me up. Me being like, really? <laughs> she flies I totally around believe the it. room. Yeah, no, because you hear such weird stuff about well, that's the, the saints that I believe everything. It's something you and I discuss often, how paranormal most of these stories are they're super paranormal yeah so it's interesting when you hear somebody that's very devout catholic it's not right it's of the occult there's always someone you have to understand there's the catholic people that are just the regular people and what they believe and then you have the educated people and what they believe and then you have the super educated the hierarchy of the church and they're the ones that set the rules and if you remember back to Tim's conversation when we interviewed him about Sardinia, he was talking about, you know, the witchcraft. And that's something that they've never been able to take away from Italians, that they have a part of their culture and they believe in Jesus and all that. So there's just certain things that they can't take away. So, yeah, there's teachings in the church that will say things have to be a certain way. So, for example, St. Teresa of Avila, she had many mystical experiences. And when she went to spiritual direction to say, you know, I'm having these experiences, but I'm not a really pious person at the time. She really was like living a comfortable life in her religious life. It wasn't really a holy life at all. So immediately, because she was living a somewhat comfortable life, I'm not saying she lived a sinful life, they assumed this is all from the devil, the people that were directing her. So she had to deal with that horrible idea right. <laughs> that her experiences came right from the devil. And so this even happens in the Catholic Church. And my point of view is with, 
ideas that are outside the Catholic Church is you just have to give some space and understanding. You know, I think there are some things out there that are not very good at all, that are very damaging to people, that lead them down a road that is just like a will of the wisp and they have no true solid spirituality but I always feel like you need room because if you culturally look at places like Italy they have so much going on there where like Tim had said in the United States we try to make everything black and white here this is why we have these conflicts with uh, spiritual things where in Italy it's a very great (laughs) very great area but the Catholic Church will they'll declare some things but if you really look deeply it's always been all over the place back to Carlo Acuntis So when they had exhumed his body, it wasn't that long ago. And so the bishop declared him intact. And this is the first time I discovered that instead of using the word incorruptible like they used to, they call it intact. There's no like really degradation. His face looked really good, except they said it was dark. And they said that it could be a little disturbing to people. So they make a silicone mask, which it looks amazing. It looks just like him. I think, wow, the Italians are really good artist and what I found out also about St. Padre Pio which I assumed that that was his actual incorrupt face I never knew any of this but he has a silicone mask as well (laughs) so I was like well wait a second why don't they just leave him be maybe people need to see the reality of death a little bit now is this silicone mask clear or no it's something that they probably shaped off their actual face but they give it more color it looks more like a person that just freshly died okay but this kind of scandalized me because i really didn't know they did this this was a big revelation to me (laughs) right now with saint bernadette of subaru who is my patron that's who i chose for my confirmation and if anyone that's catholic out there understands it when you become confirmed in your Catholic faith, it's like you're making a promise. You'll always be Catholic forever and ever and ever. You have to pick a saint as a patron saint. It's And the same thing happens in your baptism. Your parents usually give you a, a Catholic saint that you're named after. My parents didn't, but it just so happens I do have <laughs> Catholic saint names for my names. So I kind of adopted them as I got older, but my parents didn't really have that intention. St. Bernadette, she is my patron saint. She's really beautiful. She looks almost model-like. Very poor person, like never came from any money. Her whole story is really unusual. But when they exhumed her, and they did it like three different times, every time they did it after a certain amount of years, everything was intact. She looks really good. And at one point, the nuns decide, okay, we're going to put her on display. And they decide to clean the skin. And that's where they made the mistake is when they cleaned her, all of a sudden her skin darkened. So they realized we can't do this. And she's still to this day like very pliable. I mean, she died 1850s and she's pliable. Meaning you can move her around? You can move her around. She has no stiffness or whatsoever. They have to change the clothes every so often because that gets dirty. So they have to move her around and put new clothes on her. I mean, isn't that a little... It's it's like a little weird and dark. (laughs) It's morbid. It's like it's... I don't know. It is weird. Catholics like to carry relics in every church. There's a relic. Every altar in every Catholic church in the world has a dead person inside of it, like a piece of a dead person. What? Yes. What, what do you mean? Uh, explain that further. They, when they consecrate an altar, they'll get a certain saint. It might be for the parish. You know, it could be like St. Rita or St. whoever. So they'll be like, okay, this parish is named after so-and-so. And they'll get a relic and they'll implant that relic, which is usually a piece of their bone or flesh, in the altar. Wow, I had no idea about this. 
and I don't know after Vatican II, maybe it's not done as much, but it's definitely done in the older churches. Every altar, believe me, because I clean at my own parish and you can find them. And that was a parish. It's like a hundred and something years old or whatever, 175 years old. We have so many relics that are in a safe in the sacristy that they take them out on those feast days and they're all pieces of bone or sometimes it's cloth. That's considered like a third class relic, but there's first class, which would be bone or flesh. And then people wait in line if it's that feast day and they bring the relic out and people kiss it. (laughs) What? And they wipe it with a cloth. This would not go over well now with like COVID. There's no kissing of relics. They don't even put holy water out now because they're afraid of COVID. I wonder if they bless the sanitizer, you know, like, yeah, (laughs) you go into church and you like pump out some sanitizer and like make the sign of the cross. That would be the new holy water. (laughs) So they do weird things like kissing of a relic. It's under glass. I mean, it's under a little piece of glass, but it is kind of weird when you think about it. We're obsessed with body parts of these holy people (laughs) right (laughs) i mean i know every religion has its weirdness you know what i mean it's not just a catholic thing to an average person or to a person that is not of that faith it sounds nuts yeah no i think i never really thought about it as weird because when you kind of grow up with that you don't think that it's strange yeah the stuff that's in our own church what we do seems like so crazy especially to protestants that's why they're protestants because they saw what we were doing like what the hell are they doing (laughs) (laughs) so how many incorruptibles are there i don't know i i'm guessing it's in the hundreds oh wow that's a lot i mean i know you can ballpark it for me so that was in the hundreds huh it's well there's a book out there by joan carol cruz and she is the first person i think that compiled a book with all of them Um, And she was just like a housewife, but she did a really good job. And she published some other books that she made about the saints. So I know it's a lot. When I lived in Italy, I lived in San Giovanni Rotondo, which is where St. Padre Pio is from. He's a saint that had the first priest ever in the Catholic Church to have the stigmata. And if no one knows what that is, it's like someone that mystically experiences the wounds of Jesus for a certain purpose that God has. So... He's the first priest to have it. There's many people that have had it. It's a mystical experience, and it serves a purpose. Very unusual. So when he was around, and he died in 1968 in San Giovanni Rotondo, and that's in a southern area of Italy. I think it's Puglia. It's near the boot, but it's like on the Adriatic side. When I went there, it was way up in these mountains. It's almost like a desert down below, but when you get up top, it's a lot cooler. It was like really where a monastery would be because it's away from people. But now they have a huge fluctuation of people visiting because they love Padre Pio. When I went there, his body wasn't exposed yet, but they had his tomb. And uh, later when they said, oh, we discovered it incorrupt, then they show this amazing picture of him with a perfect face. All these years since they exhumed him, I thought he was like perfectly incorrupt. And I find out it's a silicone mask that they gave him. Again. Yes, okay. the silicone mask. Well, even St. Bernadette of Subaru, beautiful. But they, when they cleaned her, her skin got dark. So they put a wax coating over her face. It's not a mask. It's right. just covering it. It gives it a little bit of a lighter appearance, but that's her face. And she's beautiful. So it's just to keep her fresh. Sort keep of. her fresh looking, yeah. So have you ever actually seen yourself an incorruptible? I went through to so many places in Italy where... 
They say they're incorruptible, but they don't look real. They look like replicas of them. And I think that some of them are replicas. And the real thing is inside of the coffin, but they don't show it. Do you think think that there's a lot of forgeries? I read for the first time that there have been forgeries, but I didn't read any specific, you know, which ones they were. And I'm guessing that it's a long time ago. I know that at one time there was this whole thing about saint relics. They weren't sure if they were real or not because you could make a lot of money putting something in those little reliquaries and calling it, this is whatever, or saint who, or Jesus is this or that, and then selling it. Wow. (laughs) Now you have to have like paperwork and it has to be like stamped, yeah. <laughs> authenticated, to know, auth- authenticated and, that yeah. it came from this body. So I know this the church went through a period of a lot of fakery. Does it seem that the majority of the incorruptibles are in Italy or are they all over the world? Can you find them in the I, UK? I don't know. I Every time I try to look at this, they were all Italians, and which makes me very skeptical. Right. You kind of <laughs> wonder what's going because on Because I know that the Italian people love... The film industry that's in Italy, they are so good at making wigs and masks. They are so good at this. I'm thinking this is their big talent over there is faking everybody. But I also know that there are some science scientists or whoever they are that have examined a lot of these bodies and they they have no clue why. They, they can truly say that they don't understand why these people haven't rotted or whatever. There's a famous um, little girl in Sicily. She was a twin to somebody. This is in documentary that i saw but she's a twin and she died and so the sister has grown older but they preserved her in such a way that she looks perfect and the secrets of this mortician have never been revealed that's a ufo yeah we we got ufo highway (laughs) here they just hear it go by they just up and down they're coming they're coming (laughs) (laughs) we're loaded with that here Everyone needs to visit this area because Upstate UFOs do not stop. No. Take out your recorder. They're coming. So do you want to be incorruptible when you grow up? No, I do not because I don't like attention whatsoever, which is funny that I'm doing this because it's bringing some sort of attention. Oh, stop. But no, I wouldn't want to be incorruptible at all because of... They're going to like play with you. Like they're going to dress you, undress you. Yeah, kind of like a little (laughs) wax doll. People are going to show up and start making the sign of the cross in front of you and hope for a miracle. And then there's all that pressure of giving somebody a miracle. Hmm. I don't know if I can do that. Yeah. (laughs) Just cremate me. I I definitely would not want to be. I wouldn't want to be preserved. I'm not into that at all. I went into a chapel in Rome that was all made out of bones they had seven or eight small chapels every chapel was basically constructed from human beings bones and it's because i think there was no room for all these dead people so they started using it in this way and i held my breath through the whole thing because i was afraid i was going to breathe in the plague or something from like i don't know how many years ago no i mean (laughs) i don't blame you i'm covering my mouth in here i was like oh this is gross and at the end the saddest thing was is that they dug up a grave of a princess who was basically a child and they hung her at the ceiling level like she was a chandelier. What? Yes. 
What is going on? I don't know, but this is the way that we, the Catholics, roll. I'm just oh, telling you. Man. All the altars, all the fixtures, everything was made out of bones in these places. That's like, true. I have seen those uh, churches made of bones. It's such a weird, creepy... No one would tolerate that. It would be illegal here. <laughs> That's something you'd see in Indiana Jones. Yes. It's like, creepy. Like some weird cannibal culture had some bone church. Yeah. <laughs> I saw something really cool, though, one time. I was in Rome, and the sisters took us several different places. I'm going to tell you about two places, so let me start with this one. There was this saint that I actually really like a lot, St. Charles or St. Carlo or whatever, of Setze. Whoever wrote his story was an awesome writer because he talked about him in such a human way because I think most of the writers that do a biography glorify them they, they leave out their humanity and they sound like they're gods right because they act like they've never done anything wrong everything they did was so perfect everything was perfect obedience perfect this perfect that they're like i can't relate to these people but this writer that wrote about saint charles of Setze, there's a lot of documentation on him and he really was very very honest about his temptations but when I read about him, I was like, oh, wow, he's going through a weird trial. And it was definitely more relatable. So they're like, we're going to go visit St. Charles of Sessi, where he's laid out, where he's buried in Rome. So excited. So he had his body there. That looked like a mannequin or something. I don't know if he was incorrupt or if his bones were in the mannequin thing. Okay. <laughs> Which is possible because sometimes a long time ago, they would make a little figure of the person and then th put their bones in there. So... The guy that was giving us the tour, he's like, I'm going to show you this chapel upstairs. So we walk up this narrow stairway and we go in and there's this really neat chapel. And this is like right out of a Indiana horror? Jones. No, like Indiana Jones. He pulls a lever and all the altar and all these images flip around and turn into something else. It was to hide. It was for, I think it was for like World War II or something. It wasn't made that long ago, but it was to hide themselves from enemies so they could... Oh. So no one knew it was a chapel. So they built this thing where you pull the lever and all of a sudden the altar disappeared. The images would disappear. just turned into a plain room. And you're like, wow, <laughs> so cool. It's insane. <laughs> now, the other place I visited in Rome that is unforgettable, and I would recommend this to anyone, but it's the Church of the Holy Souls. And it has a museum for the souls in purgatory. This church feels haunted. You go in there and it is so spooky feeling and dark feeling i've never been in a church but most churches feel haunted a lot of the old some ones of do. them do but not like this i'm telling you this was the most different i've ever felt in a church in my life every church has a different feel the museum has a lot of artifacts of souls in purgatory that make contact with someone in this lifetime like they have a burned hand on a table like they have all these weird artifacts but the moment you got in there, you felt this feeling that I cannot explain. Is it oppressing? It's oppressive, but not so oppressive that you feel sick or anything. Nothing that negative. Just that presence. It feels haunted. It feels super haunted. It feels like you are in like a vortex that maybe the souls are going there for whatever reason, but it is different. And I definitely was like, wow, never experienced that type of energy before anywhere. It was so different. This all sounds so horrifying. <laughs> You've got incorruptible bodies. Yep. <laughs> You've got saints that are doing insane things. You've got 
Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom skull churches. <laughs> and you've got the Purgatory Museum where there's scary hauntings. <laughs> I can't think of anything more apropos to talk about in 2020. But this was so enlightening. I'm glad that you explained this. I would have never, ever thought to research this. I would have never even known about this. Well, what I would say would be, if anyone is interested in seeing the Incorruptibles, there's a lot of images, especially St. Bernadette, who's my patron. She's beautiful, if you want to see something very unique. So they just Google them? Oh, you can Google them. There's a ton that you can view, but not all of them are a great picture because some of them are like in a glass casket yeah Yeah. or case so you don't get a super close-up of their face also if you want to learn about the museum of the holy souls in purgatory which is in rome italy and it's a church but there's a museum in there you can google that one Hmm. it's a place where they have to learn a little bit more or experience a little bit more before they go to heaven to purify themselves Hmm. yeah research it it's not just some crazy talk from some crazy chicks on a crazy (laughs) podcast Well, Steph, we're rounding out the end of the show now. If you want to get a hold of us, the best way to do that is probably to just send us an email to thespiritpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Beck. And I'm Steph. Don't forget to moisturize. That's right. (laughs) Or you might not become an incorruptible. That's right. Bye, guys. Bye. To the Spirit Podcast. Supernatural Society. I'm I'm Ghost. Thank you. Mystic Spirit Divine Source Heaven The Dead It's magic, magic